1: This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast.
2: Well, that's rich. You know who's never (laughs) here full time anymore because they're busy filling in for Greeny? That's Canty and Carlin, Chris Carlin, Chris Canty. You heard their voices there. Poking fun at poor Cam Pratt, who's just trying to enjoy a day off. Man, you've got Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel in for Canty and Carlin. They will be back tomorrow on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. As always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Happy President's Day. If you are enjoying the day off, we hope that you enjoy it with us right here on ESPN Radio. Plenty. Of all star reaction to get into from the a- annual NBA all star game, the 72nd edition won by team Giannis over team LeBron 184 to 175. We've got All the reaction from Salt Lake City, what it means going into the second half of the NBA season as well. Also, tomorrow, franchise tag deadline window opens in the NFL. We're going to have ESPN front office insider Mike Tannenbaum on with us in 30 minutes to go through the big headlines ahead of that Gabe, I don't know. Were you into the All-Star game? Were you somebody who was actually looking forward to it this year? Because it caught a lot of heat because of the All-Star dunk, All-Star dunk contest, the three-point contest, and then the formula for how these rosters were going to get chosen in the first place.
3: So I was kind of looking forward to the draft. I like how they decided to do the draft the night of instead of doing it you know, a week before and have it be a special on TV. Hey, let's just go ahead and have the draft right before the game. That was kind of a fun element, doing it live. Giannis being a clown and screwing up and trying to take a starter when they were picking the reserves, that was kind of fun. I'm hit or miss on the Saturday night stuff because the dunk contest hasn't been good for a while. The best part, secretly, of... Saturday Night All-Star has been the three-point shooting contest, and that certainly delivered. Don't contest delivered. I'm not one of these people, Courtney, that's sitting there hand-wringing over any of the All-Star stuff, because that seems to be everybody's favorite thing to do now, is whether it's the Pro Bowl, NBA All-Star Week, uh, people just forget about the NHL All-Star Game altogether, Major League Baseball All-Star Week, everyone likes to wring their hands and talk about the way it used to be. It's not the way it used to be, and... Sometimes the dunk contest can surprise you. We had a great dunk contest, a great three-point shootout, and it ended up being a fun weekend. You just have to adjust your expectations of what's going to be happening.
2: Yeah, it's an exhibition matchup in the middle of the season. Gives guys who are not playing a chance to step away from the game of basketball. And those who are playing, a chance to be a part of the upper echelon, the 1% in the NBA. And you mentioned the draft. That's new this year. For the first time ever, Team Giannis and Team... LeBron were able to pick their teams, respectively. But because it's the NBA and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, we had to pick the reserves first. So Giannis ended up picking... I I believe he, like, attempted it for—he picked damian Lillard, who's a three-point contest champion, and to your point, he tried to pick Ja Morant, (laughs) who was actually a starter, so GM Giannis needs to go over his notes again.
3: Like, somehow Ja Morant would be available (laughs) as a reserve, as, like, the the sixth guy picked out of the reserves.
2: Yeah, he ends up taking Shai Gildress Alexander instead of Ja Morant, who was a starter. LeBron James takes Anthony Davis with his first pick to start on his bench— Plenty of good action, though, in the second half of this one. The score was upper 90s at the first half. And then Team Giannis taking the lead in the fourth quarter. Here's what it sounded like on ESPN Radio.
1: Tatum inside the arc drives down the lane lays it in extends his record to 55 points and team Giannis is one point away tipped and an offensive rebound
0: to Lillard game time from the hash hits it Damian Lillard the game-winning three team pointing, Giannis with the win his game time pointing to the wristwatch the imaginary wristwatch
2: That call you heard on ESPN Radio. Damian Lillard, the three-point contest champion on Saturday during the skills contest, sinks the three-pointer to win the game. Jason Tatum with an NBA All-Star single-game record, 55 points. He broke a record held by Anthony Davis of 52 points, which was set back in 2017. Now, I want to hear something because on Saturday, Mac McClung took the NBA world by storm. The former undrafted free agent ends up signing with a bunch of G League teams moving around. He got a two-way contract last week with the Philadelphia 76ers. Has only played in two actual NBA games, but he wins the dunk contest. And when I was on Around the Horn last week, I actually projected that this would happen. Have you heard of Matt McClung's story? He played in 30 cities over the first two years of his career after going undrafted, and now he's going to have his chance to have his Vince Carter moment in the dunk contest. Yeah, yeah. That, he's
0: been a viral One dunker. One of them's not an NBA city.
2: Okay, so I would like to, this moment, for my victory lap, thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you, Gabe. Thank you, everybody, for <laughs> making me feel great about that in the control room. But no, I mean... That's something
3: you're gonna get extra points. Like next time you're on around the horn, you're gonna start with a lead, right? I would hope so.
2: But sometimes, like if you bring up previous wins and previous times that your takes actually panned out, you might get docked points. I don't want to come in there and start dunking on anybody. Because Frank Ayasola, who was on with me, was saying that you know he he didn't believe this cockamamie NBA skills contest where you had a dunk contest that had no names, no actual NBA players. Remember, Matt McClung spent most of his time before Saturday night in the G League, but I actually feel like we made out okay with not only the dunk contest and seeing... All of the variations, the jumping over two people that were on each other's shoulders, the 540 dunk from Matt McClung, and then seeing Damian Lillard in the three-point contest. Obviously, Stephen Curry wasn't participating this year because he's dealing with injury. I actually thought it was an okay skills contest on Saturday night, and I know some people hate how yesterday went, and they think that there's no effort in these all-star games It's an all-star game for a reason. I'm just glad that for the most part, even though LeBron apparently injured his hand a bit, I'm glad that we got away unscathed with no further injury coming out of Sunday.
3: It was just a little disappointing because ever since they've gone to the Elam ending, where they set, you know, they they keep score through the first three quarters, and then in honor of Kobe Bryant, they put the 24 points. You know, so add 24, that's now the target score, and that's how the game ends. Since they've done that, the fourth quarters have been pretty exciting because the game has actually been close. And then you see these guys actually put together an effort on defense. And a couple of years ago, it felt like they went back and forth for about six possessions because the world's best athletes were playing defense against one another like it was game seven of the finals. Unfortunately, this one was so out of hand with Team Giannis, was up by so much going into that fourth quarter You didn't get that effort. So that was a little disappointing, but again, it was expected. I I don't want anybody putting together a huge effort and then tweaking a hammy, and now they're missing part of the stretch run as their teams are getting ready for the actual important part of the NBA season, the playoffs.
2: Yeah, save it for June. If you're going to end up getting injured, save it for the games that matter hopefully in the postseason. Now to your point about injuries, Giannis did end up starting this game. He has the wrist injury which he sustained in the Bucks final game before the break in Chicago against the Chicago Bulls and One that I was really surprised about was Joel Embiid, who had been complaining of foot soreness, wasn't sure if he was going to play in the All-Star game. He played in 45 of the 76ers' first 57 games this season, but this is a foot issue he has dealt with throughout his career. I thought he was going to give himself the time off this week to heal that thing up, maybe get some further treatment, but I come home after going to the Northwestern-Iowa game yesterday, I click on the TV for the second half. And lo and behold, Joel Embiid is playing in this game. He was the first starter selected by Team LeBron. And I just, I don't like that move because when you were complaining about being injured and not feeling at full health and saying that it had taken weeks up until this point where you just haven't felt right, why are you risking it in an All-Star game? You can still go and hang out with your friends, but why do you have to play in this?
3: Well, that's kind of what, what, uh, what Giannis did. Like Giannis there, was there the entire time. He was coaching in the Celebrity Game on Friday. He was there on the sideline to support his brothers and Drew Holiday, who filled in for him for the skills competition, and then played literally 20 seconds in the All-Star Game, where Embiid, Embiid logged some minutes, man, 28 minutes. He played the second most minutes on his team behind Kyrie Irving. So my guess is that's the sign that his foot is feeling fine? Or like he if, was just if,
2: playing through something stupidly, and hopefully yeah. when the like, 76 sixers start up the second half, it's not an saying. issue.
3: If you're a Sixers fan and Embiid has this foot injury creep up this upcoming weekend or next week, how upset are you that he ended up playing 28 minutes in the All-Star game?
2: Kenny and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at ProgressiveCommercial.com.
0: The Phoenix Suns are nearing a blockbuster deal to bring in Nets star Kevin Durant. Four unprotected first-round picks, a pick swap, all going back to the Nets for Kevin Durant.
1: This is quite the haul for Brooklyn. If you were going to move Kevin Durant, you got back plenty to start
0: fresh.
3: And this is a team in the desert that certainly is going to have some immediate
0: championship aspiration. Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun.
2: Kevin Durant was introduced last week as a Phoenix Sun and then spoke again over the weekend at All-Star Weekend. He didn't play because he's still dealing with the knee injury that he sustained while playing with the Brooklyn Nets. But he, his former teammate Kyrie Irving and Adam Silver all weighing in on the subject of player empowerment and players being able to put in public trade requests. Are they good for the league? Are they bad for the league? Courtney Cronin and Gabe Neitzel sitting in for Canyon Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's what Kevin Durant had to say when he was asked about the trade requests that he put in, the trade request that Kyrie Irving put in four days prior, and whether these are bad for the league.
0: I don't think it's bad for the league. It's bringing more eyes to the league. More people are more excited. The tweets that I got, and the, the 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 news hits that we got from me being traded, Kyrie being traded, just bring more attention to the league. And that's really what makes you money is when you get more attention. So um, I think it's great for the league. To be honest, teams been trading players and making acquisitions for a long time. Now, when a player can, you know. Uh, kind of dictate where he wants to go and leaving free agency or demand a trade is just part of the game now so I don't think it's a bad thing it's bringing more and more excitement uh, to the game
2: well that's a different take than what Adam Silver the NBA commissioner had to say about public trade requests happening at a more frequent rate
0: lots of players a long time have Behind the scenes, ask for trades, but they haven't been accommodated because ultimately the teams have concluded that's not in their interest. So you you want to find the right balance. You want obviously players to honor their contracts, and and at the same time, certain amount of player movement is good. So against strongly against anything said publicly, I I, I agree that a certain amount of player movement is good, but I think it has to be done in partnership and and honoring those agreements that players and teams enter into.
2: So he didn't say he hated the idea of players being able to put a trade request in. He just doesn't like the idea of it happening publicly, which very clearly happened multiple times to blow up a franchise in Brooklyn, not just what happened ahead of the trade deadline. James Harden's public trade request, Kevin Durant's public trade request back the summer that he ended up rescinding, Gabe. I... I can understand why he doesn't want like everyone to see fans to see how the sausage is made but it's just unrealistic to think that you can get all of this done all the time when players are unhappy in certain spots and do it behind closed doors.
3: Yeah, I I just keep going back and forth. Yes, there's a lot of excitement. And Kevin Durant speaking of the excitement of going to the Phoenix Suns and how excited people in Phoenix are to have another shot at potentially making and then winning an NBA Finals because they went to it a couple of years ago but couldn't get over that hump and bring that Larry O'Brien trophy back home. But what about the other end of it? Like, he's he left behind Brooklyn. He is not looking in the rearview mirror at all. How ticked off are those fans thinking that they had a shot at being a sustainable NBA franchise that was going to be talked about? We talked about them plenty, but they didn't do any winning. They didn't have an actual on-court on success. And now that franchise just has to completely start over. It's, man, I understand where KD's coming from, but I, I just don't know if I like as much as he's been moving, like some guys moving around from time to time. Great. But just feeling out a situation for a season or two and then moving on the way he, him and Kyrie have done. Like it's, it's just tough. Like, But again, the league is also changing. How many fans now are just fans of players and just have that Golden State Kevin Durant jersey and the Brooklyn Kevin Durant jersey and now the Phoenix Kevin Durant jersey versus being a fan of whatever team is in the area where you're growing up? I think the league is going more towards being fans of just players, which is why that player movement then would be a good thing for the league.
2: And the... The teams that are formed out of it, the super teams and guys linking up and wanting to play with each other. I mean, that's what LeBron, that's what Kevin Durant did in leaving Oklahoma City as a free agent, teaming up with the Golden State Warriors to form that super team. We saw LeBron do it when he left Cleveland to go to the Los Angeles Lakers to form a group that he wanted to play with as a free agent. But it comes down to when guys are unhappy in their specific, in their various situations, enforcing their way out of that. Like the contracts that you sign up for, not seeing those things through. Kyrie Irving also weighed in on it on Saturday. He said, quote, why doesn't anyone have the ability to ask for trades? That's my question. When did it become terrible to make great business decisions for yourself and your happiness and peace of mind? Not every employer you're going to get along with, so if you have the chance to go somewhere else and you're doing it legally, I don't think there's a problem with it. To a degree, I understand what he's saying on the surface, but when you were (laughs) as toxic to an organization as a player like Kyrie Irving was – With Brooklyn and I mean we can even go back and talk about his previous stops with the Cavs and with Boston but let's just focus on what happened right now they were happy to get rid of him at that point it was a band-aid that needed to be ripped off but it's not like he looks like the hero in this situation or he looks exonerated for asking for a trade request he looks like he you know all exhaust all options had been exhausted at that point Gabe where it wasn't going to work out between both sides, and he had no choice but to ask out because Brooklyn wanted him gone anyways. Like, this is... If- he created the
3: situation. He created the toxic environment in Brooklyn. Well, what's wrong about asking, you know, you're in a bad situation, so what's wrong about asking to get out of that? Well, if you're the one who created the bad situation, and you don't see that you're the one creating the bad situation, that's the part that just floors me, the lack of just complete self-awareness When Kyrie says something like this, like you're the one who created the situation in Brooklyn. And now you just want to get out of it and leave everything in Brooklyn in shambles.
2: And that's what makes me think if Giannis, for example, let's say the Bucks because they're cruising right now in the East, his his, you know, wrist hopefully is not going to be an issue. Let's say they go on, they win the East, they go to the NBA Finals, they win. He set he puts in a trade request at this point next season. Milwaukee, I love you to all the fans. Thank you for the support. I've done everything I can do here in winning two championships. I'm ready and I need a new challenge. A public trade request like that hits differently than one that Kyrie Irving, who had been a pariah throughout most of his NBA career and certainly during his time with the Brooklyn Nets, different circumstances there where I think one is more accepted than the other. Yeah, because with Giannis
3: in Milwaukee, I'm in Milwaukee. I do a morning show in Milwaukee, and in Giannis here in Milwaukee, we've seen him grow up. So there's just a different relationship between the fan base and Giannis than the one that exists for Kyrie, who's at this point just kind of a hired gun, going from team to team to team and trying to make whatever team he goes to a title contender. So because there's a little bit more of a relationship with Giannis, I feel like, yeah, if he decided he wanted out, yeah, there'd be people who'd be disappointed. I don't think there would be people who'd just be ticked off and really mad at him and, and you know, the way we've seen with other players. I don't think there'd be a bunch of people in Milwaukee burning Giannis jerseys. I think they would, you know, be more thankful for the time and be like, yeah, it, it's disappointing that he wants to go somewhere else, but we get it. Thank you for the two championships. We're still going to put up a statue outside of Pfizer Forum someday. So yeah, it comes down to that relationship and the way you go about it versus you know, the way Kyrie's kind of talking about
2: it. Yeah, certainly a polarizing and divisive topic. Some people are going to be all in on the player's ability to move out of wherever they are, no matter the situation, if they find a place that will fit them better throughout their athletic career. Others will say, no, you signed up for this, you signed a contract, you've got to honor the contract. What we know is that it is a topic where you're going to get a lot of different answers. We're going to talk about it with our guy Kendrick Perkins later on Canty and Carlin, plus get into... what. Anthony Edwards, the third-year player for the Minnesota Timberwolves, had to say about load management. But coming up next, should the Jets hold out for Aaron Rodgers or push to sign Derek Carr right now? We'll get into that next, but first, Gabe has this from Wendy's.
3: When you want the best deal on the best meal, choose Wendy's 2 for 6 bucks. Now you can pick... From two of Wendy's best menu items, including the Dave single, made with only, made only with always fresh, never frozen beef, the spicy chicken sandwich, 10 piece crispy nugs, or medium strawberry lemonade. Pair any two for just six bucks. That's a Dave single and a spicy chicken sandwich. Six bucks. Spicy chicken sandwich, medium strawberry lemonade. Six bucks. Strawberry lemonade, 10 piece nuggets. Six bucks. Even a Dave single with another Dave single you tired of hearing me say this yet? But yeah, that's right. It's only six bucks. Wendy's two for six bucks is one deal that lets you pick the meal you want at a price you want. Swing by a Wendy's today to get the best deal in fast food. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six bucks for a limited time. Price and participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's a la carte only single item at regular price. Passion,
1: drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive
2: Back to Canny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel kicking it with you on President's Day, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Tomorrow begins the start of franchise tag season in the NFL. Teams can begin applying the tag on February 21st. This window is open for two weeks. It closes on March 7th, 4 p.m. Eastern time. And, of course, when we're talking franchise tag, who better to talk it with than Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, joining us here on Canny and Carlin. And, Mike, let's start with Lamar Jackson because it feels at this point – that given the lack of communication and given the lack of information out there that we know between Baltimore and Lamar, that it's headed towards him being tagged, which would be about $45 million on the exclusive tag this season, the likelihood of that happening, and when do you think if they do tag him, that would happen?
0: Yeah, it's good to be with you guys. Probably you know, on the last day, I would say, guys, and uh, hopefully they can all work out a deal, but it just seems like, the Deshaun Watson deal of a fully guaranteed contract is what's really been the difference in the respective parties. And um, if I'm Baltimore, I put the lower tag on the quote unquote traditional tag. And uh, in talking to many people around the league, I think this is the year that they could lose them. Um, Specifically, I think the Atlanta Falcons could be a team that makes a play for Lamar Jackson and potentially two first round picks.
3: Do you think that more quarterbacks are going to take this approach and try to get it? I mean, We saw Kirk Cousins get the fully guaranteed three-year deal when he first got to Minnesota, and it seemed like the Browns were just desperate, so that's what they did. They guaranteed the whole thing to get Watson to agree to come to Cleveland. Are more quarterbacks going to be trying to get fully guaranteed deals and, and not care where they end up, so as long as they get the fully guaranteed deal?
0: You know, it's a great question. We're on the precipice of a transformational offseason with Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, all... Uh, Eligible for an extension, obviously, uh, in different years. And um, I think it's truly a seminal moment to see if Deshaun Watson is the star of a new trend or um, is he an outlier. And I'm sure all those quarterbacks um, have varying degrees of leverage. They're all going to try, and it'll be interesting Like if the three of us were having this conversation in six months if uh, another quarterback breaks through.
2: ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum is with us here on Kenny and Carlin. Courtney and Gabe Knightzel sitting in for the guys. So we keep talking about these trade scenarios at every turn with Lamar Jackson if Baltimore and him cannot come to the long-term agreement that they tag and trade him. The team that keeps coming up is the New York Jets for obvious reasons because they are looking for a quarterback next year. But what about a different destination, another team that needs a quarterback in the NFC? You had mentioned, Atlanta. I hadn't heard that one yet. My mind was thinking about Washington and getting him paired up with Eric Bieniemy. Could you paint a scenario where that makes sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, there, Courtney, there, there's a number of them. Um, you know, Washington, uh, Kansas City, I mean, uh, excuse me, Tennessee, um, if they move on from Ryan Tannehill, which a lot of people think they will. There's a number of teams. I have 14 teams that need a quarterback on the needs list. So you know Washington makes a lot of you know sense from a standpoint. Um, I think Han Dotson going to be a star with Terry McLaurin, and um, you just think about their defense. And you know, arguably they're a quarterback away. So I would absolutely add them into the mix as well.
3: Derek Carr made a visit to the Jets this past weekend. Are the Jets going to pursue him? Are other teams going to pursue Derek Carr, or are they going to wait for Aaron Rodgers to make a decision to see if he becomes available, so teams can maybe pursue him? Before they go after Carr,
0: yeah, I think the Jets are doing the right thing. They, they got to kick the tires on a, on everything, Kimberly. Um, I don't think you could rule out possibly even you know a draft choice at the quarterback position if I'm the Jets. So um, I think all options have to be on the table, and uh, you know we'll see where that goes. You know, Derek Carr didn't play very good last year. Twenty eighth in the league in completion percentage. He was twenty seventh in interceptions. Uh, nine one score games, and seven of those nine, he had a second half interception. So. Um, He's an upgrade for them, but uh, I I still don't know if you could compete meaningfully in the AFC with Derek Carr as your quarterback.
2: Mike, we'll let you go on this. On the note of Derek Carr, we know he had his free agent visit. We know Aaron Rodgers is still maybe right now in his darkness retreat. Maybe he's done with it. But either way, pretty soon his name's going to come back into the fold. And I just think if you're Joe Douglas, if you're the New York Jets, Rodgers feels like the top option here. In what case would he not be? Well,
0: you know, he didn't play great either. I mean, Green Bay didn't make the playoffs a year ago, and he's much closer to the end. When we traded for Brett Favre when I was at the Jets, we gave him a third round pick. I'm sure Green Bay now is going to want a lot more than that, guys. And what you don't want to have happen is get good quarterback play out of Aaron Rodgers in 2023, but sit here in a year and have given up a first or a second round pick. He retires, and now you're back to where you were. So while he certainly could help you short-term, and he's still an all-time great, um, I just think you got to think that through and at least get a two-year commitment from him.
2: The NFL offseason, quiet for now, will not be quiet for long. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, helping us break it all down right here on Canty and Carlin. Mike T., thanks so much. Appreciate you.
0: All right. Take care. Thanks, guys.
2: All right, coming up next, we're going to expand a little bit more on that franchise tag window, which just opens tomorrow. It goes all the way through March 7th, 4 p.m. Eastern time. What does that mean for Lamar Jackson? What does it mean for Saquon Barkley? That's coming up next. Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio.
1: This is the Canty and Carlin podcast.
2: Mar Jackson soon beyond the move. The NFL's trade, excuse me, Tag window opens tomorrow, the franchise tag window, February 21st, all the way through March 7th, 4 p.m. Eastern time. That's when teams can designate the franchise tag, the exclusive, the non-exclusive, all of these different things, transition tags. We don't have to get into the minutiae of it. What we do have to get into, though, is what ESPN front office insider Mike Tannenbaum told us here on Canty and Carlin moments ago. Courtney and Gabe Neitzel, sitting in for the guys on this Monday afternoon. Here's what Mike T had to say when we were talking about which teams, how many teams could actually be in the mix for Lamar Jackson.
0: There's a number of them. You know, Washington, Tennessee. Um, if they move on from Ryan Tannehill, which a lot of people think they will, there's a number of teams. I have 14 teams that need a quarterback on the needs list. So you know, Washington makes a lot of you know sense from a standpoint. Um, I think Han Donson is going to be a star with Terry McLaurin, and um, you just think about their defense. And you know, arguably they're a quarterback away. So I would absolutely add them into the mix as well.
2: Okay, this all stemmed from Gabe, myself, and Mike T talking about Lamar Jackson, the likelihood that he gets the franchise tag put on him. Around $45 million is the exclusive tag. Now, whether they do that or they do the non-exclusive tag that would allow other teams to match the offer remains to be seen. Mike T said he thought it would be towards the end of that window, so closer to March 7th. But nonetheless, his first team he threw out, Gabe, was Atlanta, which... I don't know why. I guess I was a little caught off guard by that one because that's just not a team that we've heard in the mix, even though, as he mentioned, there are 14 teams roughly that are going to be trying to get a quarterback this free agent and this draft cycle.
3: Well, usually when you're talking about teams that want to get in on that quarterback, it's teams that are you know kind of ready you know maybe to compete. Other teams are kind of rebuilding. Like the Falcons seem to be in that rebuild mode, right, where they're going to draft their own guy. But Lamar is so young, and you know he's proven the dudes won an MVP in the league. Why wouldn't the Falcons be interested? Because it's not like the Aaron Rodgers situation where you would trade for him and. Well, you probably get one year. Maybe you can convince him to come back for a second year. Well, Lamar Jackson still has years ahead of him in the NFL. So if you're a team that's going into this upcoming draft going, all right, maybe we need one to build our future and build our franchise around, every one of those teams should be in on Lamar Jackson. I, I just can't believe that we're in a situation where Baltimore may end up letting him go either by... Again, letting another team potentially match an offer, or or if they franchise and trade him. I I think Lamar is that good, and I think they would be crazy to let him walk away.
2: I do too, but it just feels like the lack of information that's coming out from both sides leads to maybe this thing not working out the way that Baltimore would have hoped. Of course, John Harbaugh said that Lamar Jackson is 200% their quarterback when, you know, talking at the end of the season and expressing confidence that Lamar is their guy going forward. Well, there's reports out there that he wasn't as involved as maybe he had expected to be with the offensive coordinator search. They hired Todd Munkin last week and that offensive coordinators were given not necessarily the guarantee that he would be the quarterback in 2023 for the Baltimore Ravens. So that's one that is going to make a lot of noise during the so-called quiet period of the NFL offseason. Of course, more of the rumor mill will pick up next week at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, but plenty of other teams that we're keeping an eye on right now regarding the franchise tag and who might get tagged on respective teams, and it takes our attention to the New York Giants. It's a good problem to have when you have several players and you've got to pay them all. Daniel Jones doesn't really feel all that likely that he would get the franchise tag. That would be just over $32 million. Uh, you know, for him when you have Saquon Barkley, which would be the cheaper option to give him the tag going into this season. Now, I think Daniel Jones will end up getting locked up to a long-term deal, maybe a three- to five-year deal for the New York Giants quarterback. But Barkley looks every bit the weapon in, in 2022 that he did when he came out the gate in 2018. And I think that this will end up looking like something where they put the tag on him and then they can work out a shorter to longer term extension. I'm not saying five years, but maybe you do something, you know, three, two to three years, 12 million plus a year for someone who very clearly deserves it and very clearly was the engine of that offense in New York.
3: Players actually playing on the tag is such a last case scenario, and even usually the nuclear
2: option. It doesn't happen all that often. I mean, no, you and I were talking about Kirk Cousins, and you asked Mike T about it. Like that's the last time I can recall somebody doing it, and it actually worked in their favor to where they got a big deal in betting on themselves. Beyond that.
3: Well, and he had to sit through, so he got franchise tagged. All right, got to play this year. Then he got franchise tagged again. It's the third time that becomes untenable for teams to actually place that on you, which is how he ended up being a free agent from Washington and going to Minnesota. But I think teams are even hesitant to put the franchise tag on someone. If somebody is worth keeping around that you want a franchise tag, you're trying to work out a long-term deal anyway. And a lot of times, when that window opens tomorrow, I'm not expecting anybody to have the franchise tag slapped on them. I- I'm-, I'm just not. Usually these things wait until late March. Uh, you know, Devontae Adams was one of the ones, one of the bigger names to get the franchise tag recently. Packers threw it out on him last year, ended up trading him, but they were trying to work out a long-term deal long before they slap the franchise tag on him because players don't want that franchise tag. You don't want to get to an even more contentious point when you're trying to work out a long-term deal by throwing the franchise tag on someone.
2: Yeah. I mean, it does open tomorrow. It's two weeks long. Most times the tag is applied to a player at the very last possible minute before the window's up. And you have until middle of July – to work out the long-term deal. And most times, if you are tagged, you're not playing on that franchise tag. You could be in a situation like what happened with Devontae Adams last year where he gets tagged and then he gets sent to Las Vegas to the Raiders in a trade. It's just so rare in today's NFL because it becomes contentious. It becomes how some players view it as a sign of disrespect where you wanted to tag me but you didn't want to, you wanted to tag me and give me this fully guaranteed contract for one season. That's what the franchise tag is. But you didn't want to go ahead and pay me what I'm owed for a specific amount of time. Usually, when two sides come back to the party to come back to the table after being tagged, it doesn't always work out the long term deal that most people are expecting.
3: So who knows what happens with Lamar Jackson, and I know we're tight on time here, Courtney, but is I always assume that Aaron Rodgers would be the next domino. First domino to fall this offseason. Is Tom Brady playing? No, he retired. Okay, so he's out of the equation. And the potential quarterback carousel, is now Lamar Jackson the first domino to fall? If there are whispers of him being available, wouldn't teams line up to see if they can get Lamar first before they move on to an... Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo type of situation for their team?
2: I mean, you heard Mike T. say it. 14 teams by his count that need a quarterback. Maybe any of those 14 get in on the mix for Lamar Jackson. Big perk coming up next here on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio.
1: Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.